What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Lumbar Trucking Show. We're back again with episode 95. Thank you all once again for joining me. Real quick, just want to touch on a piece of breaking news that crossed my desk today. Thanks to Rachel Premack, editorial director over at Freight Waves, who shared this article on LinkedIn. This is something I've been manifesting on this show for some time. I've said it time and time again that all it would take is a small number of drivers at a mega carrier to uh, change the whole system. And uh, Werner Enterprise, our friends over at Werner, you know, the people who have been known to fraudulently give out CDLs, the people whose CEO uh, filmed a video last year for Driver Appreciation Week in front of his private jet. All he was missing was lighting the cigar with a flaming $100 bill. Werner acquired a company last year called ECM out of New Jersey. And uh, what they didn't do is any due diligence on who this company was. And they had no clue about the workplace conditions or anything about the drivers there or their employees or anything like that. And then all of a sudden, a small group of employees, less than 30, had voted to unionize, which their management was alerted immediately. And it you know, began saying, we want another chance at this. We, we need another chance. Their chance is when they bought the company. But I'm going to I'm going to pause it there to go see my full reaction. I posted a video in a reel on TikTok. Feel free to go check it out. Uh, I use some of my casual candid humor. Reason why we're filming this episode is because I got an awesome guest I wanted to bring on here, a a young driver. I feel like I've got struck by lightning twice uh, with this guest I'm about to bring on because I just had on Laura, the the tiny bull hauler, 24 year old, uh, you know, young Generation Z driver who's, you know, hauling cattle, you know, very, you know, there's, we don't see a lot of the young people entering this industry, but what's rare is their background is that the, you know, Laura herself come, you know, didn't have the high speed internet growing up, you know, kind of lived a childhood more similar to somebody who grew up in the eighties and nineties. And we've got a similar guest coming on the show today. He's a young gentleman, 22 years old, has a family, and he's passionate about the trucking industry. He showed up on my for you page talking about lumpers and uh you know I, i'm gonna bring i'm gonna bring up a, a joke that uh, me and the please advise crew have come up with and we're, we're gonna touch on it later in the episode but it's just to me i love seeing when a young driver shows an interest into the you know the macro parts of the supply chain industry he discovered what lumpers were and now he's thirsty for more information i was like dude you got to come on the show but i want to hear your story so without any further delay i'm bringing him on the show right now brett at brett mr xbox baker is that right all right yes sir that's my nickname got it in cdl school and i'll touch on that a little later Um, awesome man so where are you at right now i'm in roscoe illinois just south of the wisconsin line on 90 nice yes i I know i know exactly where you're at you're just yeah the wisconsin illinois border you're uh you're at a loves right yes sir do you uh do you got free showers yet uh, yes, the company that I'm with right now, GP Transco, they have a deal with Loves where we get all of our fuel here, and uh, in exchange, all the drivers have that diamond status on the Loves app. So I get free, free, unlimited free showers and drinks. Okay, good. As long, yeah, as long as that's taken care of, because sometimes that can oh, be yeah. a struggle for a new company, new company driver. I can uh, a newer oh, yeah. company driver, so I can feel on that, man. But in the beginning hey, of my career, I definitely struggled with that. I mean, fifteen dollars, I can't afford that every night, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. In TA, may they burn mm-hmm. in hell. Uh, they have a lot of, I have a lot of disdain for for what they do. They want to charge you for the Wi-Fi. You yeah. know, they want to charge you. Sometimes it's eighteen bucks at a shower at a TA, depending on where you're at. Oh, yeah. It's 
it's it's pretty out of hand. But um, dude, I, Brett, I want to thank you for coming on uh, on the show. So what's what's your story, man? Where are you from? Yeah, man, I grew up in a, a town called Castleberry in Florida. Uh, it's kind of a suburb of Orlando. Um, kind of where I grew up was weird. It was the border of three cities, Maitland, Castleberry, Winter Park. It was a weird area. We called it Castleberry. Address was in Maitland. Winter Park was a footstep across the, the street. Um, but really, you know, pretty standard suburban upbringing. We grew up in an apartment complex. And uh, my sister, she, she's got nine years on me. She moved away and went to Alaska with her husband. So I grew up most of my life as a only child. And uh, I really didn't have any truckers in my life that I knew. Um, I don't have my, my family background with the exception of my parents is mainly military. Uh, both of my grandfathers on my mom and my dad's side were both in the army. Uh, my grandfather on my dad's side, he was a Colonel. He was in world war two on Normandy beach, the second day, Vietnam, Korea. I mean, you name it, he was probably there. Um, and he was in the Pentagon on September 11, 2001. Um, this is your grandfather. Yeah, it's my grandfather on my, on my dad's side. Holy so, shit. and all this to say, trucking isn't in my blood. Um, it never was. The only other trucker in my family is a distant cousin, and he drives for TMC. He's been with them five years now. He's a trainer. But uh, anyway, moving back, I went through school. Uh, I spent two years at a brick-and-mortar high school called uh, Crooms Academy of Information Technology in Sanford, Florida, um, and got kicked out of there. Because uh, I couldn't, I was slacking off, not doing my homework, and they kicked me out. I had to maintain a certain GPA, and I didn't. So I, I did my last two years of high school in, uh, in virtual school, Seminole County Virtual School. And uh, that was a good fit for me because I could work at my own pace and not really have to be bothered with all the drama that comes with high school. Um, I didn't really have a whole lot of hobbies. I played video games and helped my dad work on his car every now and then. Not, not really super athletic guy. And uh, thankfully, I never let myself get out of shape. I'm not fat and not anything like that, but not super athletic either. <laughs> um, once I got out of high school, I was pretty lazy. I think any 17, 18-year-old kid, at least nowadays for my generation, is going to be pretty lazy, right, if they get out of high school or if they drop out or whatever. And it took me a little while uh, before I got a job. But at 18, I got a job working for a construction company on a punch-out crew. And that lasted for about six days before I called it quits on that. Uh, <laughs> really? I mean, why, is my, that, why is that? Well, you see, 18-year-old Brett hadn't discovered the concept of sunscreen, and it was the Florida summer. And uh, oh, by, my, by my third day, I came home. I was all blistered up in here. It was horrible, man. Um, so on my sixth day, I was like, listen, guys, I'm not coming back. I'm done. Um, and I kind of slacked off for a few months. And one morning, my mom. I'll never forget it. She woke me up. She said, get out of this house and don't come back until you have a job. So I was like, okay, I kicked my ass into gear. Uh, I didn't have a car at the time or yeah, they hadn't given me the car yet, but I went to Walmart. Uh, the, I had a Walmart right around the corner from where I live. So I went over there. I got an interview and went back home and got ready for that. And I kept my Walmart job for a year and about three months. And uh, after that, I, you know, I left without notice like any, you know, dumb 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid does. And uh, before I left Walmart, I ended my first long-term relationship that I had since 10th grade. And uh, I actually met my wife that, I, that I'm now married to at Walmart right after we, I ended my first long-term relationship. Is this in uh, like the produce aisle, like uh, like movie style? You saw her like picking up a, you saw no, her she, uh, a head of lettuce or something? What's, what's funny is I worked back in the, I started out on the stock team 
uh, doing second shift stocking. And then I moved over to sporting goods where I sold ammunition and that kind of stuff. Um, and she worked up front in asset protection. And uh, she's also got, you know, I want to say five years on me. She's five years older than I am. I'm 22. She's 27. So, I mean, take that as you will. But, uh, you know, we hit it off right from the beginning. She's, she's from Venezuela. And uh, she's, you know, one of the most fantastic women I've ever met. And uh, I, I couldn't have picked a better wife. But really, I bounced between jobs after Walmart. Uh, I worked at U-Haul. I worked at a company called True Green. I don't know if you heard of them. There's some kind of lawn care business. I worked there as a door-to-door salesman. Not for me. Um, and then I finally got my security license because uh, I had grand ambitions of being a cop. That was my dream. That was what I was driven to do. I wanted to be a cop. Um, and like I was telling you earlier today, I was about this close from joining the Florida Army National Guard, but I couldn't bring myself to pee in front of other people, and they kicked me out of uh, out of processing. <laughs> you know, that takes a lot of guts to to admit, especially on a show. I, I I'll, I'll give it to you right there. Your your integrity is impeccable because well, there was a there was a kid from my boot camp platoon who who got dropped because he pissed his pants like when we were standing online. Yeah, and I'm sure he probably doesn't tell anybody that. Well, I don't have any shame about it. I mean, I'm, I'm not ashamed of it. It's something that's built me up to the person I am today. And uh, ultimately, it was a blessing in disguise because I was getting in over my head into a job I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I didn't understand the full scope of it. And to be honest, I mean, it is when you think about it, when you actually take a step back, you know, because I've been to Steeler games. And if you've been to a Yale football game, uh, anybody from Connecticut listening, you know, you, you piss in the, tr- you know, the trough. They have a trough. They don't even have urinals. And it's just and I and I get it. But like we don't we don't really shit in front of each other either, you know, you know, so it's yeah. like it's not that it's not that weird to think about, actually, when you think when you when you step outside, you know, we don't look at each other when we're taking a dump. Mm-hmm. You know, but yet we will piss next to each other. That's just I've a never, random thought I had. I, I've just... never been able to do it, man. I mean, even <laughs> all these years later, that was 2019 and it's 2023 now. I still can't bring myself to do it. I got to use I got to use a stall and I'm not ashamed of it. You know, it's just how I am. It's it's something it's a physiological response. It's not just I'm a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Now you need to be in the zone auto zone. I get I get right, it. Man. Right. <laughs> so after after that, um, so I had grand ambitions of being a cop. And uh, I was working security at this power plant in Orlando. Uh, not, not anything fancy like nuclear. It was a coal fire plant. And uh, I got to talking. At this point, uh, let's back up a, a little while. I got the security job in April of 2021. I was 20 years old, um, born in February of 01. And in February of 2021, no, it was March. March of February 2021, we found out that my then girlfriend was pregnant with our, with our daughter. And, uh, you know, I was, I was back to my old ways of being just a lazy asshole. And, uh, you know, that kind of kicked my ass into gear and said, okay, we're either going to sink or swim here. And I don't plan on sinking. So I went, I took my security license. I went and got this job and, uh, I was there for eight or nine months. Um, and I, I got to talking to, uh, some local drivers from, have you seen a Keenan advantage group around CAG? Yeah. Yeah. I got a cab. CAG's a big outfit because yeah. I'm pretty sure they're associated with Aqua Logistics because uh, I have a friend, another guest who's been on the show. He drives for Aqua and I believe that they're affiliated with with CAG. I know them them well. Yeah. So I was talking to some of their local drivers. They ran a local non-hazmat account directly to that power plant from different wastewater treatment plants around the state. They were home every night. Pay sounded good. So I had every one of their drivers assuring me like, hey, man, 
it's not an issue. You're, even if you're under 21, you're going to be staying in the state, so it's a non-issue. Um, and I didn't have any experience. They said that wouldn't be an issue either because they could get me in, yada, yada, yada. It was, it was a typical BS. So I quit my security job, put in my notice, and we, instead of getting some kind of high-interest loan, um, my wife, uh, at that point, she was just about to burst. Probably not the wisest of decisions in hindsight, but it's always 2020, right? Um, anyway, I went, we went to, uh, I shopped around a little bit before I left the security job to see what CDL schools were good in my area. And I found Truck Driver Institute in Sanford, Florida, TDI. They have a bunch of places all over the nation. I think they're based in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, not far from where I live now. Um, so I went there and that was before, Feb I went there in November of 2021, just before the regulations came in February of 2022. Um, and that was, you're, pretty basic yeah. not to cut you off uh, to, to reiterate there was new regulations that the fmcsa put in place to acquire your cdl i just want to remind listeners we kind of discussed this with justin martin yeah. when he previously came on the show they changed it do you know what those new requirements are off the top of your head they just changed the hours correct yeah i don't know all of them off the top of my head i know they changed the amount of hours so it made the course longer okay um, you have they, required they, hours and i want to say it made it it basically forced them to make the program more expensive because they had to do more training. Yeah. That's, that's the issue with that. Some politicians took with it to try to, because yeah. we were talking about it because this one Congressman from Virginia was trying to say that it's a bad thing, but really there, you know, to say that more training is a bad thing, isn't good. It being more money is definitely, yeah. I, I'd say probably a, you know, a little bit that more was, of an uh, argumentative point, but you got in before that happened. Yeah. That was bill. Good with the bad bill. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember that episode. I was listening to that this morning. I appreciate um, that. Yeah. I only got through like half of that episode before I had to switch to something else. But anyway. Um, so yeah, I got in before February, 2022 and it was a three week program. It was pretty straightforward, even though they weren't required to give me all the advanced training. They gave me everything. I most of what I needed to, to get ready for the road. It was, um, I was, I was listening to your second episode where you explained the process it was very similar to mine mm -hmm. um, where, you know, I didn't get my permit beforehand. So our first two days were nothing but studying for that, for those three tests, for the air brake, for the combination, for the general knowledge. Um, I think it was three. Yeah, it was three tests. And, uh, and on Wednesday, they sent us over to the DMV to take the test and get the permit. And we came back on Thursday and started doing maneuvers in the yard. Um, at least those of us who got the permit. We had two or three drop out because they didn't get their permit or they couldn't pass a piss test or whatever. Um, so... It was your basic maneuvers. Florida didn't, on the regular driving test and the CDL test, Florida doesn't require parallel parking. So the oh, three really? maneuvers, really? yeah, yeah. Even though, you know, you go in the downtown Orlando or Miami or wherever, you're going to be parallel parking in a car or a truck. And uh, so they had us do the 90 degree uh, alley back. They had us do the offset and the straight back. Mm -hmm. And that's what they tested us on. And they also did the pre-trip. I remember in your podcast, um, you were talking about how they only made you do a certain part of the trucker trailer uh, combination in addition to the inside and the air brake test. We had to do all of it, the full walk around. So engine bay, engine block, the whole tractor, the whole trailer, all the tires, all the brakes, everything. They, they pulled no punches because they wanted to make sure we were good to go. But all of the examiners were hired by the school. So none of us had to go to a DMV to do our test. Mm -hmm. all, all of us did it in, in house. And, you know, thankfully I passed mine on the first try. 
but I had some of my classmates that didn't and uh, probably for the better because one of them, he didn't speak English very well and he couldn't be helped. And uh, he was an older guy too. And you know how that goes. Sometimes you can't, sometimes you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Most of the time you can, if you work at it hard enough, but sometimes you can't. Um, and, you know, after, okay. So at the beginning of my second week of CDL school, you're going to love this. I got my, on that Sunday before it was Monday to Friday, five day program um, for three weeks on that Saturday night going into Sunday, my wife and I, then fiance, went to the hospital because the baby wasn't moving much in her in her stomach or in her belly. And uh, we just wanted to get it checked out. And as we're at the hospital, her water breaks and she starts going into labor. So fast forward to Sunday, Sunday morning, my daughter is born by C-section. And uh, I have to make a phone call to one of my buddies in the school saying, hey, man, I just had a daughter and I'm not going to be at school on Monday. And, uh, you know, thankfully, they still credited me with the hours. So shout out to TDI and Sanford. But um, that was a really wild thing, because as soon as I came in on Tuesday, we were on the road and we were taking rides. We, we would switch off on lunch. So one crew would go out in the morning with the instructors on the road and the rest would stay on the yard to do maneuvers. And then you'd flip flop that at lunch. Um, and that was the last two weeks up until Thursday and Friday with the, when they did tests. And it was the same test that you did. They tested you on the maneuvers, on the pre-trip, and then a road test. And uh, the guy who did my road test, he was an old retired Army Ranger, old school Army Ranger, served in the, uh, the regiment. So uh, one of the things he said to me that's stuck with me all these years is that, yeah, I got paid to, to kill people, and now I teach people how to drive trucks. <laughs> which, which the two you can can you can sometimes relate the two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every now and then it comes up, especially when you get these four wheelers. I call them squirrels when they jump in front of you. Because I just went through mm -hmm. Chicago twice today, and uh, it was not fun. I mean, I tell you what, I went through there at nine a.m. and then I came back out around lunchtime in Chicago, and it. I'll be a happy man if I never got to go to Chicago again. <laughs> yeah. Have you been through New York City yet? I haven't been through New York City, but I've been through New England, and it's not much better. Yeah, no. Yeah, New England New England blows, but New York City compared to Chicago, like wor worlds apart, it, even, even though Chicago is nothing, you know, easy. Yeah, mm. but New, New York City just has a lot more low overpasses. There's a lot more expressways you can't get on. There's yeah. uh, parkways, you know, like the Sawmill Parkway you can't get on. There's trucks that will always – it, yeah. it, get, it'll, it gets a little bit dice here but that's and there's it. signs everywhere telling you not to get on the parkways mm -hmm. yeah that, that yeah chicago's a little bit easier than that so that, that that's good your cdl school seemed to have a lot of good instructors you, you went yeah. an unconventional route you you paid for it yourself which doesn't kind of behold you to a company you had a yeah. kid during cdl school i i think that that's yeah actually yeah. that's pretty wild there was a kid in my cdl class who uh he ended up getting he ended up getting locked up like halfway mm -hmm. through i i think he he was he violated some he violated some sort of uh one of his ex-baby moms or something like uh, called the police on him to try to say that i don't know he he, the, he violated some or, or uh some protection order or something like mm. that i don't know he seemed like a good guy to me I, I don't i don't he seemed to be trying to put his best foot forward but all of a sudden he didn't come back and I was told, yeah, uh, I think he's, you know, I think he's in the clink real quick. So, you know, things yeah. will happen. <laughs> so anyway, moving on from the, from CDL school, about the same time, I want to say three or four days after my daughter was born and I was on the yard doing maneuvers, 
uh, I got, I, I called into Keenan to, to CAG to just make sure everything was lined up for me to start working after I was done with CDL school. And uh, the lady I spoke to, she's like, hey, you don't have any experience and you're under 21, so we can't hire you. Um, and that was kind of like a kick in the gut because I had been assured by these senior drivers that it wouldn't be an issue. You know, I'm 20 years old. I'm getting my CDL. I'm going to have my tanker endorsement. Um, funny enough, I, I never got, went and got my hazmat. I've gone this, the whole the past year and a half of driving without hazmat. And uh, it's hasn't been an issue. But anyway, getting back on track. Um, let me gather my thoughts here. So Keenan told me that they couldn't hire me under 21, no experience. They wanted a year of experience and over 21. Okay. That's fair enough. Uh, I just wish people had been a little more straight up with me before I went to CDL school and quit my security job. Yeah, It might've been um, like that when they, when they had started at, yeah. at CAC, that could have happened yeah. Re- real quick before you continue. I just, I, I'm just curious on this right. with schools, just because I know every school is different. Did they allow you to get your CDL with driving a manual or did they only offer you automatic? So they, they did offer manual. And uh, what's funny is that uh, I'm automatic restricted. I did mine only on automatic uh, just because I realized that the industry as a whole is shifting almost entirely towards automatic trucks. And that's just the way it's going to be. Um, and uh, I, I know I wouldn't really have an issue with what I was going for. I don't, I'm not interested in the heavy haul. I'm not interested in any of that. I just want to make enough to make ends meet and just get through life. That's all I'm interested in. Um, so about a week after I got into CDL school, they jacked up the price to learn manual. It was an additional thousand on top of the 6,000 you're already paying. Okay. So th- yeah, this is something I haven't, I haven't heard before. So, and look, I, I mean, no offense to anybody who gets their CDL with an automatic restriction. I mean, it's, you know, my opinions on it. I just think it offers better training for control of a, of the vehicle itself. Yes. But I mean, I, I'm not going to ever insult somebody's you know for for taking that option but now this is because this is something i'd love to look more into that schools are now so they just so they separate it now to where if you wanted the manual you had to pay more going that was that school that was that school specifically i don't know if all schools are doing that but when i was there because initially they asked me like hey do you want to do automatic or manual and I asked for automatic and they never mentioned an additional charge for manual if I wanted to go that route. And they said I could change my mind at any time during the program and go learn manual. But then um, as the class came in behind us um, for the as we were a week ahead and the class a week behind us came in, they were saying, yeah, I had to pay an additional thousand to learn manual. Yeah, that's... And that was that was kind of weird to me because I was like, that doesn't make any sense. You got this old beat up Freightliner with a 10 speed in it. Why are you going to charge extra to learn in it? You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's so. Yeah. I'd love to do a deep dive into that. We're going to have to do some research, but enough of that. So CAG lets you down. You didn't have yeah. experience. Where do, where do you go from here? So I was still under 21. Um, it's, I got out in November. So I went in November 1st and got my, uh, I guess, graduated on November 19th. And anybody who goes to TDI in Sanford, if you look on the shelter that's on the right side of the yard, closest to the building, if you look up, I signed it. Everybody signed it who who uh, who graduated there signed the the shelter outside and the podium inside and I signed mine Xbox and uh, you can you can see it if they still have that shelter up out there but uh, that's that's a little off track so CAG let me down and I was going to be under 21 until February so about this the same day I picked up my CDL from the DMV uh, my father relapsed on alcohol he's you know alcoholic drug addict all that and um he relapsed on alcohol and you know my wife 
having just given birth and my newborn and I, we had to leave the house and we went to stay with my grandmother for a little while. So think of all this is adding up on a 20 year old. Just got a CDL, figured out that I'm out of a job, just had a kid. And my wife is reeling from a C-section that she had complications from. And on top of all that, my dad's relapsing and we got to get out of the house. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you don't have to worry about that manual restriction. Uh, right, right. <laughs> you, have, you have a lot going on to be worried right. about. Floating. I give you a lot. I give you a lot of credit, man. That's that's a lot. I commend you for that. So, and I'll I'll get into that a little bit later about how we made it through that. But um, we go and stay with my grandma for a few weeks. Uh, thankfully, she had a spare room in her apartment for us to stay in while we got on our feet. And uh, while I was while we were looking for a place for our, of our own to stay there in Castleberry. Um, I went back to Walmart to work as an overnight stalker and, uh, you know, it was a little bittersweet, like, Hey, you left without notice and now you're coming back. What's going on here. But, uh, and the reason I didn't go back to working at security is because they didn't have an open slot for me. Otherwise I would have just gone right back to working at security. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, I ended up leaving Walmart again cause I had differences with the manager and just did DoorDash pretty much in my little 96 Corolla. And, uh, ran around Sanford, Oviedo, Castleberry, that whole area, and just did DoorDash around there to kind of pay the bills. And we had some help from my father-in-law and from my parents and from my grandparents, you know, God bless them all. Um, and then finally in February, when I turned 21, I had been talking to Schneider, uh, the bulk division, because I, I wanted to drive tanker. I had my tanker endorsement. I didn't have hazmat, but I was willing to get it if they wanted me to. Uh, but I found this ticket. It was some kind of dedicated account hauling herbicide. Uh, for Bayer Monsanto. I don't know if you heard of them. Yeah, Monsanto. Yeah. They're they're the guys who poison our food. Yeah, I learned about that after <laughs> I, I left the tanker division. <laughs> but uh, I found this uh, this dedicated ticket with Schneider Hall and that stuff out of uh, Muscatine, Iowa. And, uh, you know, it was pretty much, besides going into dry van and being treated like shit, because uh, I saw better reviews about Schneider's bulk division than I did about dry van division. And I'll get into that a little bit later as well. I, I've heard um, this. I've heard the same that whole yeah. tanker with Schneider's different tanker is a lot more tightly run. It's a very tight ship and you have a lot more dedicated and experienced drivers teaching new drivers. Uh, the trainers in bulk, it was a five week training program. So I turned 21 on February 19th. They flew me up to Pennsylvania on February 27th to, to begin that five week training program. And, uh, there, I, I basically learned, relearned how to drive a truck. Um, they had half full tankers full of, you know, glycol water so it wouldn't freeze in the winter. And uh, if you know anything about tanker, that's the worst spot to be in is, is with a half full tank because you have the most slosh, the most surge. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a five-week program. I spent four weeks in Pennsylvania and my last week in Gary, Indiana. That's a shithole. But oh, I, spent yeah. last, <laughs> I spent my last week in Gary, Indiana. You can hear the gunshots. Uh, oh, yeah, man. Um, and that was where I got specialized training for the Bayer Monsanto account. And weirdly enough, this whole tanker account was non-hazmat. Um, Schneider does a lot of hazmat tanker, but oddly enough, herbicide is not registered as hazmat. I think it should be. I think it's an environmental hazard, but, and a health hazard. But anyway, I did, I did that for about three months. It was four weeks out, uh, full week home. It was like, I want to say eight or nine days home. It was, it wasn't too bad, but when you got a newborn, you can't, you can't handle that. Um, being, being gone for so long, you miss so much. And, you know, by that point we had our own apartment in Castleberry and my wife, she, she couldn't handle it. So just before I left the tanker account, we moved up to where we now live in Cookville, Tennessee, because my grandma was buying some property up there and wanted us to come up 
and help her put it all together and help her make the payments on it. Eventually it would be in our name when she passed, when she passed. Um, so I did another month with the tanker account. So that was three months total with the tanker account before I decided like, Hey, I need to make a change here because I'm going to miss a whole lot of my daughter's life. And also eventually one of the days I'm going to kill myself going around one of these curves with a half empty tanker. <laughs> it, is, it is dangerous. It gets really hairy, especially in inclement weather. I had a guy that I went to orientation with and Gary, he, uh, he got stuck going uphill with his tires sliding in Minnesota and, and on a frozen road with a tanker. And he just, he barely made it up to the top of the hill and pulled his brakes. And he's, I, he's, he camped out there until the sun came out. But uh, anyway, so I started in February, got on the road in mid-March, early April. And uh, by July, we had moved up, sorry, June. Yeah, early June, we had moved up to Tennessee. And I saw uh, Schneider posting for a dedicated Walmart account out of London, Kentucky, which is about two hours from me. Home every uh, home every six days, six days out, two days home. And, uh, you know, they told me that the pay was going to be roughly the same, but, you know, it'll be a running theme with Schneider. It wasn't. Uh, I was I was on fixed pay on the tanker account. So no matter how much I worked, how little I worked, I got the same amount. Was, I think it was fifteen hundred a week. Um, but the thing with Schneider is they have some pretty expensive benefits, especially the package that I selected for my family. It was it was fairly expensive. So I, I only walked away with. 900 or so of that per week. And uh, that's hard. Especially when you got my kind of bills and my kind of debt. Cause we had to go into a lot of debt to make it through that, that stint where I wasn't working too much. Um, but anyway, I went to the Walmart account uh, in early June. And if you know anything about June in Kentucky, it's hotter than devil's asshole down there. Uh, I mean, it was, it was horrible. I was driving at night and you know, they put me in this piece of crap, 20, I want to say it was a 2014, 2016 Freightliner. It's got 700,000 miles on it. Still got an automatic in it, weirdly enough. But um, thing barely holds itself together, and now you're taking it down the back roads of eastern Kentucky, western Virginia, and trying to get to these little Walmarts in the middle of the night. And uh, that's where I had some of my hairiest moments. It, it, through all my time of driving tanker and driving since I left Schneider, some of my hairiest moments were on that Walmart account just because of the roads I was on. Oh hell yeah, man! I I know exactly where you're at. I was yeah. I was on a Walmart dedicated amount a uh, uh, dedicated account out of Seymour, Indiana, and I got to ride through parts of Eastern Kentucky. And yeah, people mm -hmm. and I and I get it. The you know people always say, well, the mountains out west, and they talk about the Rockies and Donner Pass, but you know the, the Smoky Mountains still just with there's you know there's spots in ten in Tennessee you can't go down the Dragon's yep. Tail, you can't go you know there's dicey spots in Appalachia. Oh, yeah. People people doubt. Oh, yeah. I mean, App Appalachia is nothing to mess around with. And I learned that pretty quick. Um, they only had me out with a mentor for three days. For, sorry, three nights because it was a night driving reefer account. Um, and it was like multi drop, that kind of stuff at different Walmarts. And uh, so here I am. Just picture this. Here I am. I'm in the middle of Appalachia and it's about three in the morning and I'm standing outside of the, the back of a poorly lit Walmart waiting for these people to open the door up for me. I'm looking over my back, you know. <laughs> for the normal characters that are at Walmart and also the stuff that lurks in the mountains. But, uh, no, I, I did that until, uh, August of 2022. Yeah. 2022. And, uh, I started looking around. I, I hit my six months of driving Mark three months on tanker, three months with, uh, with the drive in division. And, uh, once I hit my six month Mark, I started looking around and Averett, 
Averett Express, they had a dedicated account out of Cookville, where I live. It was 15 minutes from my front door. I wouldn't have to commute two and a half hours every week anymore. Um, and it was the same home every weekend. And uh, the pay was a little better. It was 51 cents a mile as opposed to like 47 cents a mile that I was getting at Schneider. And uh, it was real miles, too. It was, that was about, even though I was home every weekend, I was still pushing 3,000 miles a week on that dedicated account. It was a good account. Um, and the only reason I stepped away from that is because at the end of the year, the work dried up. The customer wasn't moving as much freight, and the other division of Averett, the truckload division that wasn't dedicated, they had soaked up all the spot freight that Averett was hauling. So there wasn't really much for us on the, the dedicated side to do. So I saw a posting on Averett for a yard jockey position in Smyrna, Tennessee, at the Nissan plant, where you're just shuffling trailers from door to yard or door to door or whatever. So I, I said, you know what, whatever, I'll, uh, I'll do it. It was about an hour and a half commute every day. It was difficult, especially a lot of wear and tear on my, my little old Corolla. But uh, that thing's held strong with me through the years, man. I'll tell you what, the little 96, it's, that's a great car. I do all the work on it myself. I mean, I was just listening to your second podcast where you're like, yeah, I'm not a gear jockey. I'm not, I'm not a gearhead, nothing like that. I'm a total gearhead, dude. Um, I, I know how to do pretty much everything on that car except the like deep mechanical stuff in the engine. I'll, you know, but um, that's a little off track. So I did the yard jockey thing for another three months, and uh, I saw I started watching Smart Trucking on YouTube. I don't know if you've seen him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's a good guy. I like what he has to say. Say, and he's what got me interested in the whole the freight sphere, not just driving the truck, not just dealing with the customers, but actually getting into what causes the problems that we have like the parking issues and the pay issues and the detention issues and the lumpers and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's what started getting me interested. And he started putting ads out for GP Transco who I'm with right now. I mean, I got, got my cup right here, but um, so I put in my notice with Averett. Probably the biggest mistake I ever made was leaving Averett. I'm going to be completely honest with you. They're a really good outfit to work for. I'm not a recruiter. I'm not paid by them. I don't have any affiliation with them anymore, but I recommend them to anybody. If you got six or more months of experience, put an application in. Um, they're backed up right now, but you can get through. Um, but anyways, that's off track. I'm sorry. Uh, no, that's so good. I, we, we're fans of Averitt on the show. They just yeah. recently had a gentleman go on, uh, you know, my friend Dooner's show at What the Truck, which is one of Freight Waves' popular podcasts, and he went on there. And like I said, Averitt's a company that advertises that you won't have to worry about parking if you drive for them. Uh, right. They see, they seem driver focused. Their turnover oh, yeah. rate, yeah, he he's mentioned the turnover rate and the and the pay. That's the thing. The Averitt's doing, yeah. they're doing what carriers sh- should be doing it, for, I, for the most part. Let me tell you this, Averitt. I don't usually like Freightliners. I do not like the Freightliner I'm in right now. The company I'm going to here pretty soon is going to put me in a Volvo. Um, but I will say, Averitt's Freightliners are decked out. I mean, I don't know if you've seen them. In the back, they got a picnic table, and there's two seats in the back, and you can fold all that down, and your bunk comes down. So you don't lose the top bunk if you want to use that. And they got tri-pack APUs on them, so you don't got to sit there and idle your truck all night if you, if you want power. And uh, those are the two things that I miss most about not driving for Avery is having that table. Because right now, I'm on I'm on a little uh, card table thing mm-hmm. here in the on the bunk of my truck. And uh, if, but if I was still with Averitt, I'd be on a little table that's actually built into the back of the truck instead of having Jerry rig something. <laughs> Averitt, Averitt had the Volvos? Uh, no, no. Um, Averitt has the Freightliners. Oh, okay. And they, they deck them out on the inside, man. They're nice. Uh, they don't have, like, the digital dash and all that stuff, which my truck has that right now. I don't particularly like it. It's kind of kind of uh, finicky. 
I'm sure it's for some it's for some people like the the more tech heavy people, uh, but it's not my thing. But like, but you said you got off track. You didn't. This actually is related to your '96 Corolla, and that's why people have. Uh, we've talked. I've talked about it on previous episodes where a lot of these newer trucks they come. They're very neutered. They're teched oh, yeah. out. Um, they're they're beaten down with all these different uh, electrical parts and all this stuff that goes to that screen. Like mm-hmm. you yourself, if say for example, if you're a new owner operator and you go and buy a 2022 2023 Cascadia. It's very difficult for you to do your own work on it. However, whereas I know uh, my friends over at Blue Ribbon Logistics, uh, they're a capacity trucking company who's contracted with Landstar. He, they do, they don't buy trucks newer than like 2007, and that's how they're able to. I mean, based off their P and L, their profit and loss statements, that's how they, you know, make so much are able to make a decent amount of money is because of them doing their repairs. It's what's called planned obsolescence. This right. stuff is being built to break your 96 Corolla. That thing's a dog for you. Oh yeah. It's been, yeah. So you went, you've gone, you can go to war with that car. You don't have to worry about it. Whereas cars today, you know, they they got computers, you know, one, one thing goes wrong on a newer car. I think new cars today are the most worthless they've ever been. And they're all fiberglass and they all, and they all break one little ding on it. You know, the trucks today, pickup trucks, who's using a pickup truck for, the utility anymore you know yeah, they're it's just a, it's a it's a statement <laughs> luxury suvs for men that's that's all yeah. they become that's a statement that's all it is now and um i'm glad you touched on that because i feel like a lot of the issues and i i have a story about a brand new freightliner that i that i drove don't let me forget about it but i want to touch on the the breakdown issues that modern trucks especially freightliners have is related to the emission systems the first truck i drove for gp transco i drove it for a week and the DPF went bad, and I had to turn it back in. And they had to send it back to Freightliner. And it's just one of those things where it's like – It's probably still of, there. It's probably still there. Because um, <laughs> uh, I, I've heard so many stories from drivers and on YouTube and all that of emission systems putting trucks out of commission because, you know, the EGR went bad or the DPF went bad or the DEF system went out or something. It's one thing with the emissions, and it puts it in a limp mode, and it won't go any, over like 5 miles an hour or 30 miles an hour. The scariest part about that, and this is what I will never understand, is now when a D, if you buy a Dodge Ram, because they all have DPF systems in, in them now, like all the newer pickup trucks, yeah. uh, or even a box truck friend of mine. Actually, you know, you're from Central Florida, good friend, friend of the show, the owner and operator of Holidays Pressure Washing. Shout out. He lives in Longwood, uh, not far okay. from where, where you were at. I know where that is. He, he had a box truck that would have, and when he would run out of DEF, it would it would derate him, but only to 55. It would never derate him to five miles per hour, but semi trucks will eventually derate you to five miles per hour. Yep. And how that is considered, how how that is legal for for that they're a hazard. They're yeah, a hazard that, at like, that point. It'd be because yeah, to force you to tow to get to the next to get to a mechanic or to get it fixed is is wildly insane. It's anti small business because. What kind of, oh, yeah. you know, what kind of small one truck owner operator can afford tow bills, you know, just because it just Six because, grand. The D, yeah, because without the DPF system, the truck still works. Oh, yeah. It's still, and it actually is more fuel efficient, you know, it's, it, yeah, it doesn't beat the engine down. So it can still work. And I know that the argument is like, well, owner operators wouldn't fix it. They wouldn't go get it fixed if it, they would just drive at 55. I doubt that. I think that that's just a, that's, I that's feel like gap. owner operators yeah. are more interested in making money. Yeah, and they're, they're, they're not going to gonna make you any money. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to make any money. But Especially in California. So the Cascades at GP Transcos are, are not making 
right, yeah, the, you, you had an issue well, with the DPF there. Yeah, the the first Freightliner that I was in, it was a 2022, pretty new truck. Um, and the DPF went out, and uh, it didn't derate the truck though. I, I was still able to go my full govern speed of 66 on cruise, 63 on pedal. Um, which is weird. I don't know why they, why would, and, and we have a temporary passing speed. If I double tap my accelerator pedal, let me go 70 for 15 minutes out of the day. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's brand new. I never heard of that. It's called pass smart. It's a Freightliner thing. Wow. Yeah. I think uh Maverick transport has that too. I heard you talking about Maverick on your, I think your first episode or your second episode. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, they're where I would have started if I could have passed the air test, but I was too, yeah, the too, fre- too fresh off the weed. To yeah, have <laughs> to have risked the hair follicle test. But yeah, uh, 2022 Freightliner DPF went out, so I took it back. They sent it back to Freightliner, and uh, they put me in this one now. It's a 2023, and it's it's pretty nice. It it'll shit and get, and I haven't had any issues with it, um, except for the one issue that I put on my TikTok about my my fuel pump has got a little bit of fuel coming out of the fitting, but I tightened that up, and it's it's not leaking anymore, so we're good on that front. Um, but that that brand new Freightliner story that I was telling you about, so. After I got out of tanker training with Schneider, they put me in a brand new 2023 Freightliner, you know, a year ahead of its model year. It's 2022. They put me in a 2023. That's how car model years go, I guess. And it had 20 miles on it when I got into it. It was a Cadillac, man. I mean, it was nice. Um, at least, you know, a fresh driver coming out of CDL school and I get put in a brand new tractor pulling a tanker trailer. I mean, I'm going to love it. So they put me on my first run. I got to go to Muscatine, Iowa, pick up a load. That's going to Kansas. So I get down to Muscatine, Iowa, and you know the little trim piece on the Freightliners, the new ones that likes to fall off? Mm-hmm. That came off of the mirror by the time, before I even got to Muscatine, <laughs> not even 600 miles in. Um, so I got to Muscatine, picked up my load, and got down to Kansas and made my two deliveries. And I was sitting out of Lowe's waiting for my next load to come through. And, uh, you know, I had been idling the truck because it had the optimized idle. I don't know if you've heard anything about that, but I think it's an absolute trash way to to handle uh, running your inverter and running your climate control and all that while the truck is not on. Because with the Freightliners, I don't know about any other brand because I haven't used them, but with the Freightliners, you have to leave your key in the on position and you hit a little button and optimized idle comes on and it cuts the engine off. But when it needs to charge the batteries or do a regen, it'll cut the engine on and disturb everyone around you because your engine running <laughs> and god forbid it has to do a regen because it's going to be louder in hell and wake you up and uh I, the first night i spent in that truck it woke me up because it kicked on because it was a it was a war uh, i want to say it was a cold night and i was running my heater and uh the truck kicked on and woke me up i was like what the fuck who just got into my truck you know yeah my but, truck you could you could flip a switch to where if it needed to charge the batteries, it will turn the engine on, but it wouldn't do it for a regen. It wouldn't do it for a regen. That's something that's pretty yeah, it new. Was, the Freightliners, they regen while they're charging the batteries. You know, it's not two separate cycles. It just merges it into the, into the charging cycle. I really dislike it. Uh, I think it's a really poor and inefficient way to do it. Um, if you're a company with a lot of resources like GP Transco or Averett or Schneider, you need to be putting diesel APUs on your trucks because it's a little more upfront expense on, you know, on buying the truck. But with how volatile fuel, pre- fuel prices are, you're going to make that back in fuel because when that diesel engine is idling, it burns about a gallon per hour, right? And a diesel APU like a tri-pack or a carrier no. is going to burn 0.1 gallons per hour. So already within six months or a year, you can make your money back in fuel. Yeah. It, it, it'll, 
it, and it pays in dividends because you're also looking at the life of the engine at that point. Oh, yeah. Is, because it's idling, not, yeah. Idling is so bad for a diesel engine. Diesel engines want to be abused. I mean, it's like that one clingy X. They, 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 they love being abused. And they don't like idling. They hate it. And it's it clogs your DPF up, too. That's why it's got to regen so often. Yeah, they um, were meant. To, they were meant to literally go up mountains with oh, you yeah. know forty thousand pounds of equipment on it. Yeah, they're not yeah. meant to just uh, sit still. You know, and yeah. just it's sit like there what, what are you doing here? I'm I feel cramped up. Let's go, man. Um, so I will always you know talk speak out against optimized idle because it's not really optimized. It's really bad for the truck in the long haul. Um, now, Jeep, I will hand it to them. Companies like Nussbaum, I don't know if you've seen them. And mm-hmm. GP Transco, they're putting solar panels on the big-ass fiberglass foreheads of these Freightliners. And, uh, you know, I could see it if you're a night driver and you're parked a lot during the day. But if you're a day driver and you're parked a lot during the night, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because the sun's not up at night. And what's it really doing? That's when the truck idles is at night. Um, so, I mean, but I also understand it. When I got Perfect example. When I got into this truck, the batteries were flat dead. When the detailers came through, they had left the lights on and didn't cut the batteries off. So the truck was flat dead, 8.4 volts. I mean, it was almost unrecoverable. They had to bring out two jump start jump, jump packs to bring the bitch up, uh, back to life. But um, in that scenario, it would have kept the batteries charged and the thing wouldn't have been dead when I got into it. Um, and for a night driver, I could see it. But outside of that, really the way to go is APUs. I'm always going to say that. Yeah, no, from, from a business perspective, that's definitely – definitely the, the way to go. So let's see. So, but you're at GP Transco now you've yeah. mentioned, you've mentioned you're going to part ways with them. So what, right. yeah. So where are you, where are you headed from here? So it's a company called first express. I don't know if you've seen them around. I think they're a smaller outfit out of Nashville. Um, but what's interesting about them is that they used to be associated with Averitt. Um back in, I want to say 98 Gary Sasser, the owner of Averitt and the owner of first express. I don't remember his name. Uh, they were in a business partnership and Averitt and First Express were essentially sister companies. Um, Gary Sasser helped the owner of First Express get his startup capital together and start his own outfit. And they parted ways in, I want to say, 02 or 03. But First Express still parks at Averitt Terminals uh, and they pay them a monthly fee to do that. So for me, I'm going to First Express because they can get me home every weekend as opposed to being out three weeks at a time with GP Transco. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have, you know, carrier APUs on their trucks and I'm going to be parking at the same terminal that I was parking at with Averitt. It's 15 minutes from my house. So it really, it, it really all just works out in my favor and the benefits are less expensive too. Oh, so they, so first express, and this is, this is, I'm glad you brought this up. So they're, so they're currently hiring is what you're saying. Yes. Whereas yes. now Averitt, Averitt, I believe is hiring too, but like, yes. like any good company right now, any good carrier, anything with good lanes, a lot of that's drying up. Like there's not right. a lot of, you know, where, you know, with, obviously we still have companies and politicians and there's articles talking about a driver shortage narrative. We've debunked it on this show time and time again. I went on national news oh, yeah. debunking this. So it's obviously true. But when it comes to companies like Averitt now, because so that's the thing is you, you said you regretted leaving Averitt, but you can't you can't go back there because the, the job's not open. Well, the, the thing is, the jobs are open. Averitt is still hiring. But the thing is, the truckload division of Averitt, I don't know if you heard about. Well, yeah, I've heard you talk about it. Yellow went kaput. Mm-hmm. And Averitt does a lot of LTL freight. So a lot of yellow drivers are going to Averitt because Averitt does a LTL just like L, uh, just like yellow did. So 
what's happening is that Averett's still hiring, but there's like a two-month backlog on getting into orientation because they're only limited to a certain amount of people they can take in every week. Yeah, and you need to get um, yeah, and you need to get off from OTR right, now. Right, that right. okay, that makes sense. So first express and uh, my my connection that I my I, I'm going to call him a recruiter. My recruiter at First Express, um, he was telling me that First Express is actively avoiding former yellow drivers because they're used to being local. They're not used to finding somewhere to park every night or leave, or sleeping at a ship or what have you because most yellow guys were home every night. Um, yeah, well, some so, some were OTR. I, I had a yellow driver come on the show. He would. There were yellow drivers. It wasn't all the time, and it's not most of them. Yeah. But he would technically be do OTR. But I think that I think based off the, the collective bargaining agreement, he couldn't be away from home for more than three or four days. And he was yeah. they would stay at hotels, and that right. would be that yeah. would be set up for him. But that. that but that makes um, I mean it makes sense why they'd avoid hiring some yellow drivers because Averett obviously can't offer as much home every night. Right. Yeah. And I mean, even when I was working for Averett, you were hard pressed to find a local position with Averett. Averett mm. has some of the lowest turnover in the industry with our local drivers, because not only do their drivers get paid extremely well to, to be local, they're close to home and they're home every night. And the only reason you're going to lose a local driver is if he, God forbid, gets hurt and can't work anymore, or if he retires. <laughs> I mean, that's really it. So, but yeah, First Express, uh, they seem like a good outfit so far. Um, you know, obviously, I'm going to keep the the line open here with GP Transco in case things go sideways. But um, and the, the, and it, yeah, yeah. no, I'm saying I'm on I'm on First Express's website here now, and yeah, they, I, I the first thing they say home weekend since 1994. Yeah, they've always done that. They're not uh, an OTR company like a like a GP Transco is trying to be, and they they're not outstretching their boundaries. And that's something I really commend Averett and First Express for. They know their boundaries. Um, so Averett has a foot, even though they're a much larger carrier than someone like GP Transco or another OTR company, Averett knows their footprint. They don't go much further West than Texas and they don't go much further North than Pennsylvania. Most of the time, if they're, yeah, if they're going to, if those companies are going to grow, they have to grow in a, in the sustainable, they're only going right. to grow if it's as sustainable as what they're offering here. And yeah, right. they, and I'm looking at this now they're the, the top drivers are making 90,000. If you get yeah. hazmat, you increase your pay. Yep. You have a, you get a re compensation review every four months, monthly safety bonuses, automatic raise every 50,000 miles. Yeah. Every 50,000 miles is a half cent per mile raise. Yeah. That's um, you, you really, it sounds like that, a good package. Yeah. So. That's a, that's a solid outfit, but yeah, always leave the door open at GP Transco. I mean, oh, even, yeah. even though I've done I've, that every time. Every time I left the carrier, I've left the door open just in case. Yeah, and I've and I've bad mouthed Pam Transport on this show, but if I applied tomorrow, that they, they wouldn't probably say no because <laughs> they probably don't listen to this show. Uh, and, when, and I mean, actually, they might, but who knows? None of what I've said is to bad mouth GP Transco. I mean, if if you're a single guy and you're out here to do three thousand miles a week and really put the miles down, GP Transco is the company's for you. They're if you have a year of experience and you don't mind being out three, four, five weeks at a time, depending on where you live, the closer you are to Joliet, Illinois, the more often you'll be home. Yeah. Um, but if you don't mind being out for extended periods of time, like I know a, a woman who lives in Florida, she parks her truck at the terminal in Joliet and flies home for four or five days and comes back and she does four or five weeks on the road. Yeah. And, uh, but she's single. She doesn't have any kids. Uh, her kids are grown up. They moved out. I want to say if she had a husband, she divorced them or they're separated in some way or another. And she, she lives out on the road and she makes fantastic money uh, because that's what she can do. But for me, I'd like to be involved in my child and my wife's life. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And that's, that's not a tall order to really ask for. Yeah. And that that's good, man. I'm glad, I'm glad you're getting yourself to a good outfit. I do want to touch on what we were talking about off the phone though, with GP Transco, because I don't know if a lot of people know this. Now I had heard, I know that it was started. All I knew is that it was started by a Lithuanian gentleman out of here. But what I didn't know is that GP Transco isn't just a trucking company. They're also a tech company Yes, uh, and they have a TMS software that they've, yeah, called, that they've created. Yeah. It's called open road TMS. They, uh, they're the proprietor of it and they sell it to other trucking companies. Um, it's basically just a phone app that the driver puts on his phone or on, on his ELD tablet, depending on what he has. And uh, it, all your dispatches come through that. It'll tell you the miles that you're getting paid for the deadhead miles that you still get paid for. Um, and it has monthly and weekly reviews and all that. I per, I like it because you can do everything within there except it's not except for the ELD. Our ELD is through Samsara. Um, but the open road you can do you can turn in your proof of delivery. You can accept or reject loads. You can do uh, your performance reviews on that. It'll show you uh, how much you've made in mileage and in pay for the week and oh, as a gross review for the whole year. And uh, I think it's a good way to go. And uh, I just wish they were a little more friendly to trucker path. <laughs> uh, okay. You're saying you wish GP Transco was or Tra- open road yeah, TMS? G- uh, both because GP Transco, they use um, a GPS called Copilot. And I've been using trucker path for the longest time since I started driving. And I, I really like it because it's really similar to Google Maps, but it gives you truck routes. That's why I like it. And I can just flick around, see what parking looks like at different truck stops and all that. And, uh, I like it so much. I pay for it out of my own pocket. It's $10 a month. It's not bad. And, uh, they, but they, I asked them during orientation, like, Hey, why don't you partner with trucker path and integrate your routes into there so that I don't need to search up this address. I can just punch a button in open roads and it comes up on trucker path. Mm -hmm. Um, and the reason being apparently the, the coding language they wrote for open road doesn't mesh well with trucker Path coding language. Um, but it meshes better with copilot but I really don't like Copilot. So what I do is I just look up the address in my trucker path and do it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm looking this up. It looks like open road costs two twenty five a month includes all access features, but it gives a lot. Cause I know I would use Transflow to send up my bill. So you don't use Transflow at all. First express, does. First express will use Transflow, but on, but for this, but GP yeah, Transco, GP, you'll yeah. send your bills up through open road TMS. Yep. But so and, that's, um, and they, they, they do want the paper bills back. So if I'm in the terminal, I'll turn them in or we have trip packs. It's it's odd to see that GP Transco will not buy APUs, yet they're making millions off of open road TMS. It's, it's weird, funny. isn't it? Yeah. Now, I think I think the whole thing is they're trying to be a progressive tech company and a trucking company. Yeah, that's there's a lot of that going on in this industry. Actually, friend of the show, Reed. Uh, part of the, our please advise gang. He, he has a software that he's created called lost freight. And he actually makes memes about this because there's a lot of brokerages. Okay. There's a lot of brokerages that love calling. They'll, if you go on a broker, a freight brokerage's website, they'll call themselves anything but a brokerage because they want to, <laughs> they want to make themselves look like a uh, startup tech companies and stuff like that. Yeah. And I know load smart is another company who's trying to go the way of GB transco because yeah, they're trying to, a lot of these logistics companies, and that's another thing people like to say is they want to start a logistics company because it makes them sound, mm-hmm. I don't know, it doesn't make them sound as proletariat. They, they, want, they want to sound, to, they want to sound want more to bourgeois. Yeah. That lumper, that lumper company I made that video about, they called themselves a logistics company. 
Yeah, lumber companies. We'll call it. Yeah, cap. Was it Capstone Logistics? Yeah, it was Capstone. Yeah, <laughs> of, course, of course it was. Which that's even funnier. Like, why would they call themselves Capstone Logistics? Yeah, you think it sounds like a computer software company. Yeah. When it be, it's because they don't want to call themselves Capstone Offloading Services, or, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> or something like that. Or and they're not going to call themselves a lumper service. They're not going to so, outright tell you that they're trying to screw you. Yeah. And that's, that's what's, and that's, what's funny about that is you've learned that it is, it's this archaic, uh, you know, part of the uh, supply chain, so to speak, because they're a link in the chain. And I've had to, on your video, I had a guy comment actually back on that saying, I've never paid with for a lumper with credit card. I've had to do that several times. I've had to pay. I I think I, I have email. I have receipts in my email of when I had to pay capstone and, the thing is owner operator, small businesses, you got to pay that up front. And then I would get the broker would reimburse. I never had an issue getting reimbursed. I did almost have an issue with Axel logistics who mm-hmm. another brokerage may they burn in hell because oh, I've had, pulled a bunch of their loads of Axel logistics. Yeah. They're, they're pieces of shit. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh and uh, I, I, and I have no remorse saying that because I had plenty of conversations with their brokers, negotiating outright liars, um, mm-hmm. yo- younger kids, whatever i'm i and you said gp transco is moving a lot of spot freight but yeah they they tried the guy that guy his his first reaction when i asked him i was like hey i was at a grocery dc in louisiana and i had to pay 250 bucks or something and i sent him an email and he go and he said and he just replied back not in anything professional he said can you pay it and and we'll get you back and it's like that's you know, he, he, it was almost like he texted to me. He's like, can you just yeah. pay it and I'll get you back? And yeah. I, and I just responded, nope, they don't take credit card. And then he's like, and then he told me that I needed to call a number, make an account on this website, call this other guy. And I had to, and basically it took me another like hour and a half, two hours just to get the payment because this place couldn't take it. It is definitely a scam. I don't know why it is. It's just another, if for some reason, yeah, it's it's somehow is still a cost saving, but it's only at mainly these grocery DCs is where they have them a lot. Yeah, and they and a lot of them have to count everything. Yeah, yeah that and that. Bro, I got in there at nine p.m. My 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 schedule for an appointment unload at nine p.m. So I figured, okay, they're expecting me to be there. This shouldn't take too long. I didn't get out of there until three forty-five in the morning. Yeah, that that's. That's the problem is what people and and I've said it. We've said it a bunch of times in the show. We talk about it on LinkedIn. But the issue is, is when it comes to the lumper service, the motor carrier's job is to pick up product A and put it in their truck and bring it to a a receiver. That's it. The carrier is paid to do that. The carrier is not paid to make sure that it's counted because if it's not counted correctly, because that's the thing. Once that once that load is off the truck, if the count is wrong then that's a dispute between the shipper yeah. and the receiver. The motor carrier didn't do anything. Half the time when you go to these shippers and receivers, they don't even let you seal the truck. They seal it themselves. Mm-hmm. They don't let you, you know, they sometimes don't let you look in it. So yeah. I, yeah, I'll, I don't have a clue why. I mean, I, I, the thing is, is there's no incentive from either the shipper receiver and large carriers like GP Transco as even though they're a decent company, they're not incentivized to tell their, to, to help, well, they're clearly running a lot of spot freight, but say it was a customer, even carriers are not incentivized to tell these people, hey, my drivers are sitting there waiting. You need to get them moving because the shipper is going to be like, well, fine, we'll find another carrier. And then the, because that's the thing, because they'll always just find the cheapest one. It's, it's definitely something that can be, I think, the one way to fix 
you waiting for lumper services is by the what that needs to happen is the removal of the overtime exemption for truckers by right. uh, remo removing the uh, FLSA exemption because then it would light a fire and change certain stuff. But oh yeah, it's it it, it is I mean, it's if, if, it's if, comical. If they, if they had to start paying me per hour once I step foot on their property, they would have a fire up under their ass to get me unloaded in as, in as expedient of a fashion as possible. But even though I'm going to get detention from that, my detention doesn't start until after two hours of sitting there. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, exa exactly. And it, and I think, I think it should start after 90 minutes personally, because I understand uh, you're there and not all loads are created equal when it comes yeah. to loading and, and unloading. I mean, and it's not 90 minutes is, you know, just slightly above average of what I usually get at a live load or a live unload. Um, mm -hmm. I've only had two instances where I've been there, you know, six hours. And that was, that was once in South Carolina. And then this last time in, uh, in Minnesota. Yeah. Well, if you stayed at GP Transco long enough, it, you, the, those times will stack up more and more. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can, I can... I, I, I've, I've just stopped counting the amount of money I've lost from live loading and unloading. I mean, it's, it's horrible. And just getting back to what you were saying about expanding within your own footprint and being reasonable about what you can and can't do instead of trying to be a broad 48 state, you know, lower 48 OTR carrier, like GP Transco is. And um, I'm sure they can make their money that with, with that one way or another, but what Averett and what first express is doing is a whole lot better in my opinion, because instead of trying to go all across the nation and do all this and that they're focusing on building strong relationships with current customers and putting trailers on their properties so that, Drivers don't have to sit and wait. They, oh, can, keep their, they can keep their trucks moving. You're, you're absolutely right. A good friend of the show. Uh, we're connected on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm trying to have him on soon. His name is Adam DeGroote. He said it before. He said it to me. The future of, of trucking is driver-centric. Uh, yeah. Whether whether carriers, whether large carriers agree with it or not, whether brokers or whether, um, you know, other links of the chain think so or not, but that's exactly how it's going to have to be because five, six years ago, they were banking on the robots being here by now. And yeah. you still have clowns over at load smart who are banking on Kodiak and you know, they're banking on Kodiak robotics to get these robots rolled out in 2024, 2025. And they're going to be in for a rude awakening. Once the, you know, once that's going to end up not working out. For you know them. what? How about you take that? You take that robotic truck and you send them down I-40 going from North Carolina and Tennessee. And you tell me how they do. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking for yet. Yeah. And, you know, and even with and I, I don't really care much to talk about because the electric truck debate doesn't take any jobs. But that's the thing is when that robot truck, that's the thing. These robot trucks aren't going to be able to go down Donner Pass. Right. In, in December and through the winter time. So how is it going to speed up the freight? That's it's, it's currently unrealistic to try have and seen, view it. Uh, you, you mentioned electric trucks and that's, that got some gears moving. Have you seen Edison motors? Uh, yeah. I'm glad you brought him up. It, Ch Chase Barber is definitely, uh, we're huge Chase Barber respecters on, yeah. on this show. He's gone on uh, my friend, Gord McGill's show, voice of Gord shout out. He, he did an episode with them what Chase Barber is developing at Edison Motors is the valid and really only transition we can make into, oh, yeah. into trying to get ourselves off of using, you know, oil and natural gas. He's got everything going on with his, you know, re, you know, remodified cat uh, oh, yeah. generators. Have you seen his production prototype that he's making? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fascinating what he's yeah. doing. I, and I really like what he's doing in, making as few proprietary parts as possible and making 90% of the 99% of the parts on the truck widely available at any parts store. I love that because that's going to 
really revitalize an owner operator spirit, especially for what he's doing it for, which is off highway heavy haul. That's going to revitalize an owner operator spirit to go work because they're not going to have to uh, shell out all this money on, you know, if you break a windshield, well, now I got to order a new windshield from Freightliner. No, you can walk into a parts store and get a pane of glass. Exactly. <laughs> that, that That's what the crazy thing that goes back to that planned obsolescence we were right, talking right. about. And, and I actually learned this when I went to the truck museum. If you ever have a chance, definitely stop by the Iowa 80 trucking museum. I went it's, in there. Yeah. It's, there. Okay. So it's really cool. And I learned after going there and I was talking, but Chase Barber mentioned this because I, I learned it after I go on the truck museum is during the cold war, all these trucks were built Depend, no matter what the company was, they were all built more durable and better specifically because of the Cold War to where the yep. parts were interchangeable to where they were always widely available. And it wasn't really until the, you know, and, and, you know, it wasn't really until like the Reagan era going into the late eighties and nineties, when you started seeing the, the, the truck companies kind of peel off and be like, no, we're doing our thing. We're doing our thing. We're doing our thing. And then they all right. started making, and then everything started being built to break. And then, you know, now we're in this, you know, dog shit pile mess. Now we are where, you know, one, you know, one sensor costs $1,500. Yeah. I mean, but one yeah. thing I will say, if, if I was to go out and be an owner operator, I wouldn't because for right, right now the way, with the way freight is, I feel it's way too unstable for me to maintain a family on. But, um, if I was to go out and be an operator, an owner operator right now, the first thing I would do is go back to school and get this automatic restriction taken off. And I'd buy me an old truck that was pre-emissions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't mind the ELD. I don't have a problem with that, but I want something that's pre-emissions because that is, in my opinion, the number one cause of breakdowns on newer trucks is emissions. Yeah, that's, no, that, that's what I would do. I posted on Twitter the other day. I think what Chase Barber's doing is good, but the, the thing is if, if DPF technology got better, that's the thing is it's an imperfect, I understand it. I'm not sitting here saying that, uh, you know, uh, I'll never sit here and say what we're putting out in the atmosphere isn't having effect to, uh, to the climate because, you know, right. you know, what, if you put, if you put something into, if you put something unnatural into something, it's going to do something. And I know that volcanoes release emissions naturally. I get, I get that for all that argument, but you know, that's a whole so, can of worms. Yeah, it's it's a whole can of worms. I don't, I'm not getting into any climate change debates. Right. I you know I think that there's stuff we're doing that's not good. You know, clearly putting more of what's not natural into the air isn't good. So the DPF system by design is good. It's putting nitrogen and other harmless parts that are part of the atmosphere back into the atmosphere. So it's like, but the technology itself, they're developing it's it. It's it's imperfect, and they're not making it better. You know, over the years, I think they've gotten better since like 2015, but like, they're still, like you said, why should a 2023 truck at the cost of 250, a quarter million dollars shut down, you know, after the DPF went out? Yeah. Because the DPF with less than 50,000 miles, it's just that, that to me is, you know, how can you, how, you know, how do you, how are you authorized? How are you allowed to sell something that costs as much as a house that's, you know, that has such a failure rate like that. And another thing I will say is that GP Transco is selling their 2021 trucks. Once they hit, they're selling trucks once they hit 350,000 miles, because I don't know if you know this about Freightliners after they get past like 325 or 350,000 miles, they go into a breakdown cycle. It shit starts breaking. (laughs) Yeah. It did that. Once the warranty's up and the factory warranties are all up. Yeah. It starts, it turns into a rolling downhill mess. That's for Um, sure. I wanted to touch on 
um, something you mentioned earlier about investing in drivers with uh, with more training time and uh, how the, the future is going to be driver centric. And uh, it, it reminded me of a story that I have from when I was a yard jockey on the Smyrna plant. Um, when I went to be a yard jockey, I already had more than a year on the road, you know, between Schneider and Avery. I, had, I was already, you know, I was still a rookie, but a seasoned rookie, if you will. Um, so I already knew how to back a truck up. I knew how to, how to, how to drive and all that. And, um, it wasn't really a challenge for me to be a yard jockey. The main thing was just getting used to getting in and out of the truck that often. Cause it was about, I'd move 55 trailers in a day and get in and out of that truck at least 120 times. Um, so it, it was hard on, on, on my body, but, um, it reminded me of a, a, a lady I worked with. Cause you mentioned Werner putting out subpar drivers and, um, uh, well, this lady that I worked with at the uh, at the Smyrna plant, I won't mention her name out of respect because she was genuinely a nice lady, but um, she just couldn't back up a truck to save her life, man. She did three months with Warner um, on some, I want to say, I don't know what account she was on, but it was on a dedicated team account. And I don't know what happened in her three months where she never backed up, but I was only at the Nissan plant for three months and I saw her, I visually watched her get into three different backing accidents and it just comes down. There's a language barrier there too. Um, she didn't speak that much English and that seems to be a running theme with, with drivers that get into a lot of accidents I've seen. And that's nothing racial. That's just what I've observed. No, they're, um, they're called patterns. That's the yeah, thing. I would yeah. do the same thing if I moved to France tomorrow. Right. I'd probably end up doing, I'd probably end up doing damage somewhere because you're in. You want to, do you want a good exercise in that? Let me tell you how I got my, my, my nickname Xbox in trucking school. Be, be, let's back up. When I was still in high school, I took an interest in a game called American truck simulator. Um, now, and, th- now the Gen yep. Z is coming out in you. Yep. Yep. So this is a video game on steam. Uh, I don't know if it's anywhere else, but you can get it on steam and it's exactly what the name implies. It's the American truck simulator. And right now they have from California all the way out to Colorado and Texas. You can go across all those states in any truck you please, um, however, however realistic you want it to be. I've seen guys, they got full rigs in their houses set up that look like big rigs. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, I've seen um, them on TikTok. It's impressive. I mean, at that point, man, just go get in the truck. But uh, <laughs> but I took an interest in that when I was about – it came out in 2015, and I started playing it in 2016 or 2017. And I play it with a little Xbox 360 controller. I uh, Actually, I have it. Cause I bring my gaming laptop on the road with me. So this controller right here, this Xbox controller is what I play American Chuck Simulator on. And uh, I told people at my school that like, Hey, and I was, I was naturally good at backing when I went into school, I was showing other people how to back. Cause I had already put in three or 400 hours in the simulator by the time I went to trucking school. So I already had like a basic idea of how to back the truck up. Um, so I, w- I was nailing the straight back. I was doing pretty good on the 90, kind of rough on the offset, but I was doing good on the, the 90 and the straight back. And well, my, my buddy, big country, he came up to me, guess why they call him big country, big old boy. But, uh, he came up to me. He's like, Hey man, um, everybody's asking how you got so good at, at backing. And, um, no, it wasn't him. Somebody asked me, I want to say it was our instructor cowboy. Yep. Our instructor cowboy was like, who was that? I was barely touching the wheel during the, during the straight back. I was like, that was me. And, uh, I was like, yeah, I did, uh, all my training on a simulator at home on an xbox controller that's where it came from that's why they started calling me xbox and that's been my cb handle ever since yeah oh, <laughs> dude i i love that that's actually it's <laughs> it's kind of funny because seeing those videos and you're like one of the first people i've talked to is and i know i mean 
I've heard that, you know, Prime uh, Incorporated, and I'm not a fan of them uh, whatsoever. They go I slow, think, man. I don't like that. I, I think, they're, I think they're, they're predatory and they're lease purchase and stuff, and that's a whole other, whole other topic. But they, their school, from what I've heard, because I follow this young girl on TikTok uh, who went through their school, and their school, they have a simulator, and they seem to take their, their school seriously, and, but they do a lot of the simulator. Yeah, Schneider's yeah. the same way. And at their facility in Gary, they have a simulator there for Schneider. Yeah, so I mean, it's they're definitely not bad things. Obviously, I think the more practical application of getting out and, and doing the job is better. But hey, man, that's, you know. You can teach somebody the absolute basics of how to not cut a corner too sharp in exactly. a and not risk the public. That, I, yeah. I, I'm all for it. It's not, yeah, it's um, not even the backing. It's the, yeah. it's the off-tracking of the actual right. trailer, making those turns. That's where I really started to understand how to how to compensate for that off tracking because the simulator is very good at simulating it. So once I had that in my head, I hopped into the driver's seat of that of that old Freightliner Cascadia that TDI had, and I was the first one to drive out of my group. So I pulled out of the lot, and uh, the instructor I, he looked impressed. <laughs> you know, That's I mean, good, man. He, he had nothing but good stuff to say. I mean, I didn't hit anything. I still haven't hit anything. You know, knock on wood. Um, you know, a year and a half of driving, I've, I've I only have one accident. I didn't even hit anybody else i was this is a funny story and you're gonna laugh at me for this one i was in virginia on the walmart account it was my first week on the walmart account i think it was my my fourth night and uh i was in um abingdon virginia at that walmart and uh i passed the entrance to the walmart because of the crappy gps that schneider had given, given me and i had i didn't have my trucker pass set up and uh so i started freaking out i was on us highway 11 and i didn't realize that it loops back around the highway to interstate 81 and i could just come back around so I started looking for places to turn around and I saw this little road. It was by a storage place and it went back into a residential area. So I turned down this road and tried to turn around in front of the uh, storage place. And uh, while I was doing that, I got too much of an angle on the trailer and pulled one of the fairings off the, off the tractor. And uh, probably the most common, that's, that's how you know, what uh, if that's how you can tell, you can identify a PAM transport truck. They've all got and, that. And uh, don't, forget fairings Western, in. don't forget Western Express. Do you see West, that a lot too? Yeah. <laughs> I call them felony express. The, the, the fairings bent in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, bent in or gone. Also universal. They're bad about that too. Um, all their Peterbilt's got bent bunk, bunk extenders. But um, in my, my whole flurry of emotions after I got into that situation, I forgot to put the truck back in neutral or back, yeah, back in neutral when I shut it off and got out to check the damage out. So when I tried to cr- crank the thing back on, it wouldn't do anything because it wasn't in neutral. So now I'm like, fuck, I just broke this truck. <laughs> And uh, I ended up having to call the sheriff's office to come block the highway off for me so I could back out. And uh, that's the only accident on a public highway I've had. And there was, it wasn't even DOT reportable. Tech, yeah, tech, technically, yeah, technically not, a, uh, not even an accident. It was an incident. So, yeah, it was an incident. It's, it's, on my, it's on my MVR as an incident, you know, yeah. non-DOT. It's nothing like that. So it's never gotten me. It's never refused me a job. Yeah, thank um, God. Yeah, thank God. Um. But I don't remember where I was going with that. I was talking about some. No, it's just it was just your your first accident. You had learned on the Xbox. I love that about the Xbox. It's a yeah. good story. So for anybody oh, yeah, out but, there listening, yeah, it, get go on Steam. It's not an expensive game. I think it's like fifteen bucks for the base game, and then each state you can get different states, and they're all DLCs. You got to pay a little bit extra for those. That's pretty standard. Um, but all the additional trucks they put in are free. They have licensed trucks, so you can get along with Peterbilt. You can get a Volvo. They put the new Volvo in recently. 
Um, you can go into that game and make the exact truck, the exact freight line I'm driving right now. And there's a big community of people who mod the game, who put uh, uh, like skins and liveries from real companies in the game for the trucks. So you can go in, get the mod for GP Transco, put that skin on a Freightliner and spec it out the same way my truck is right now and drive the same truck I'm driving right now with the same trailer in a video game. And Man. I think, I think that's incredible. <laughs> it's I, I, yeah, I find it funnier than anything. Cause I, I think it's <laughs> hilarious, but I mean, Hey, yeah. that's from but, a, rec- um, from a recruiting but, standpoint, that's how oh, yeah. you, that's what's, what's going to get the younger generation in here. And what I was getting to with that, if you want a good exercise and, uh, and culture shock, they have a game called Euro truck simulator made by the same people. You go drive a truck in Europe, and that, let me tell you that I might download. <laughs> yeah, the Euro Truck Simulator Two um, is is the good one, and I have that, and I've I keep trying to get into it, and I just I can't. I don't speak Italian, man. So I mean, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I try to stay out of the UK because they drive on the wrong side of the road. But <laughs> if you want a culture shock, you go download that game and try to drive in the UK. <laughs> that one I might download. But uh, hey, man, we've been ripping for a little over an hour now. Uh, yeah, I, I, I got to sign off. I, I really appreciate you coming on. And what I would like to do is uh, we'll, we'll do this again here. Yes, we should we should do like a six month check in, see how it's going because I would love to see how it's going at the new outfit. See hear about some of your new experiences and yeah. And, and yeah and and see what's going on. Bring you back on. We'll 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 shoot the shit. And uh, but man, I, I wish you well uh, on your. Uh, on for your next company. And uh, I, I sent you the invite to our discord. I know you don't, yep. it, it, you know, you obviously, and I've recommended it too, for people to not um, buy a truck and go into business now. But I mean, if, if it's something you're aspiring to do, you're, you're on the road the right way um, where you're learning and you're learning quickly where, because that's the thing, a big problem in this industry. I mentioned primes lease purchase program yep. is uh, you know, there's no industry I've ever heard where you can like, you can't all of a sudden when you're a plumbing apprentice, you can't start a plumbing business. Basically. Right. You were talking about that in your podcast. My Hello? Siri just popped. Yeah. My Siri just popped on for some reason. There. Yeah. My, <laughs> yeah. So, oh, well, I'm not cutting that out, but yeah. So like, <laughs> you know, it's just, so, from from the from from my perspective, and I believe from a lot of the listeners' perspective of the show, seeing you like and you're learning these things, uh, you're getting involved with it. I mean, stay involved because you're you're the type of driver that this industry needs. Somebody who's cognizant, somebody who also takes care of themselves. You seem to advocate for yourself and the work life balance that you want with your family. So, man, I, I commend you on your life experience. Hell hell of a story. Um, you know, you you've been through a lot and. Especially just at CDL school, man. I was nervous enough as it was CDL school because I felt like my grandfather was watching me the whole time, and I just wanted to impress him. Yeah. You had a you had a whole kid C section, <laughs> man. That's you know everything with your father. I, I I commend you on that enough. So we'll bring you we'll bring you back on. But any where, before we sign off though, where can the people where can the people come find you? Where can they see your social media? So the only one that I really want people looking at is my TikTok. That's tn.redneck, R3D and 3CK, redneck with threes instead of E's. Um, I'm probably going to change that soon, but for right now it's tn.redneck. And that's, that's really all I want people looking at. Mm-hmm. And I have, uh, I have some friends who actually who has family and they get back there every now and then who, li- who live in Shelbyville, which I believe is not far from yeah, where you're right at. Yeah, right there by so, Nashville. 
So if you need, so if you ever need any help in Tennessee, I know I can, I can always help you out best I can, but once again, wish you the best of luck on right. there. We'll bring you back on again. Yeah. yeah I'd man. love to come back. Yes. I'd love to be a regular guest here. I, I love coming on podcast. It's the first podcast I've ever done. A little nervous at the beginning, but I'm, I'm really enjoying it so far. I'd love to be a regular guest here. Hell yeah, man. And I'd love to, I'd love to bring you back on, but dude, stay safe out there on your way to uh, you're on your way to St. Cloud, Minnesota tomorrow. Keep no, the Saint, rubber St. Paul. St. Paul, Minnesota. Yeah. Keep the rubber sign down, brother, and we'll talk to you soon. Of course. See you later, man. See you later. Thanks, guys, for listening. That's going to wrap up episode 95. Fantastic story from Brett. I, I'm not going to lie there that, uh, you know, it, it, you know, people always ask what the difference is between, you know, the generations and like people like my generation, you know, millennials to Gen Xers to, to back to boomers. And, you know, why is like, you know, millennials are obviously having kids younger. And that's why a lot of, I guess, I guess that's where some of us feel like we haven't grown up yet, you know, because I could, I guess I would have grown up a lot sooner if I, <laughs> if I ended up having a kid at, at 22. And so when, when life happens, you know, I guess you got to make those quick decisions and, you know, Brett's a prime example of that, you know, he, something happened to his life. He had to make a big boy decision and he did and, and he took it head on and, you know, it's paying off in dividends for him and his career's taken off. Uh, appreciate you all listening once again, wrapping up episode 95. You know where to find me at Lumbar Trucking everywhere. And with that, guys, we're back to the bench. Take care.